proud of us collectively for that. Uh, I think that that is an, an honorable thing. But a lot of things have been happening recently that are not really things that we can be proud of. Uh, at some point during the last week, something changed in the air. It started with people buying up all the toilet paper, and then there was a sense uh, beyond that that all of us are wading through this sea of anxiety. And, and in some ways, I, I understand that. This is some new stuff. We, we've never canceled our main worship service before, and so there are new things that we are doing. But can we, can we just be honest with each other for a minute? Most of us have either tasted the sour anxiety that is welling up within ourselves during this time, or we have sat back and laughed dryly at the people who are actively worried. But if we're honest, we can acknowledge that neither of these tactics has helped us to trust God more or to love our neighbor better. So our way forward as Christians can't be one of these options. So what is the missing ingredient for us? I'm gonna leave that hanging for a minute. Uh, I've learned a few new things this week. Uh, if I have learned anything, first of all, I learned that I touch my face a lot. I can't keep my hands off my face for some reason. Uh, the second thing is, is that, wow, we, I think we go through toilet paper faster than we think. <laughs> and the third one is, I think most of us have learned that we don't, feel, we don't fear a virus like coronavirus nearly as much as we fear other people. And I thought about how people have been reacting, and, uh, and when I thought about that, I remembered a moment when the people who knew Jesus really well and had been traveling with him for some time suddenly kind of turned on him and questioned his motives. Today, uh, we were scheduled to together do our fourth in our four-book part of Haggai, but we're going to put that aside for the moment so we can think about a topic that's really relevant to us. I want to set the scene for us, uh, what we're going to be reading in Mark chapter 4. Jesus has been teaching all day long along a really big lake called the Sea of Galilee. And I don't know if you've ever been to Israel, but um, if you've sat along the edge of the Sea of Galilee, it's a, it's a lake that's smaller than Lake, of, than lake Tahoe, um, but it's below sea level and you look up at rolling hills around you. And uh, this lake is, is known for sometimes serious storms that come up on it. But among Jesus' disciples, there were um, several fishermen, so people who were well acquainted with the water, well acquainted with going on the lake. Let's, let's get into our passage. Let's read that. Mark 4, 35 to 41. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along, just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up. And the waves broke over the boat, so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, keeping, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind and the waves, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Lord, we ask you to help us to understand your word and for it to go down in our hearts. I pray that we will not only hear it and understand it then, but that we will be doers of your word as well, that we will be able to put it into action 
this week. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Well, first, uh, Jesus tells his disciples that they are going to head over to the other side of the lake. Uh, several boats are traveling with them, and they, they go along together. And it is quite a storm that comes up. There are lots of things in our passage that point to that. Uh, the waves are breaking over the boat so much that it was nearly swamped. And uh, perhaps even more importantly, the group of fishermen who are with Jesus are freaked out, which says a lot to me about how bad of a storm it was. When the fishermen are scared, you should be scared too. So it seems uh, really easy for us in the, the comfort of our own pajamas or in the comfort of our home to um, not think about how scary it would be, but with the water coming over the gunnels of the boat, I think we would feel it ourselves. But, and what I appreciate about this story is that it has all the marks of an eyewitness account. This, this isn't a cleaned up religious version um, where the disciples would say, uh, they would be in this big storm and then they would uh, say to each other, brother, don't worry, we are in God's hands. You know, this, that's the uh, more cleaned up version. Fear not, Christ, he can, he can calm the storm. But that's, that's not what we have here. We have regular people who are overwhelmed by their circumstances. Do you know anyone who could relate to such a feeling? <laughs> These men are overwhelmed, and they, they cry out to the one sleeping on the cushion in the back. Well, more specifically, they could probably say they yelled at the one on the cushion in the back who's sleeping. Teacher, don't you care if we drown? So in the middle of this situation, the disciples, they, they question whether Jesus even cares. I mean, seriously, how, really, how could he be asleep in the back of the boat at that time when there's something so terrifying going on? And what's happening is that when, it's kind of natural that when we face something that's scary, oftentimes we lash out. Um, when I was in, in college, I was a lifeguard for a time, and um, it was a certified position, so I needed to get CPR training. And then there was also a, a life-saving class that I had to take as part of that. And um, it was a training for us to face difficult or dangerous situations, but we also had to learn how to properly save somebody in deep water. We expected, I expected as a 17-year-old, kind of the bits about, you know, how to swim holding a person with one hand, that kind of thing. But what was surprising to me was the training about self-defense. They taught us how to talk to somebody in distress, but more importantly, they taught us how to get away from somebody who's latched onto you in deep water. Because, of course, a drowning person is going to grab on to whatever that person can in their panic, even to the point of possibly drowning their would-be rescuer. They taught us to go deeper in the water and push away from them. Because in our panic, the world can become very small, and we really just seek self-preservation. The men in the boat with Jesus were afraid and they lashed out at him. And when we look at the story of these men with Jesus in the storm, the thing that, that stands out really quick, uh, quickly to me is how they attributed evil intent to Jesus. Like, you're bad for what you're doing. I don't like this. This man that they knew so well. And, and in moments of panic and anxiety, I'm, I'm going to say every, every bond that we have gets strained. And in our society, now that some of the first waves of anxiety have passed, we're in a moment, I think, a bit of calm, but there may be more to come. It may be that, we, that some things still run short on, in the store, and uh, there may be some other kinds of hardship we don't know. And in times of hardship, 
our, we generally seek our self-protection. But Jesus turns to them, and I, I don't think there's any way they could have been ready for what he said to them. Why are you so afraid? What do you mean, why are we so afraid? Do you still have no faith? And here we have the crux of discipleship. What, what, the, what these disciples wanted in that moment was for Jesus to do something for them. They wanted him, I don't know, to row or bail or whatever. But Christ wanted them to trust him. So, brothers and sisters, I want us to mark this moment right now. Uh, none of us knows what life is going to look like a couple weeks from now. Maybe all you can see is this ocean rising, the wind blowing, and you're in too small of a boat for the conditions. The waves are coming over the side. You don't choose this storm. You probably wouldn't choose it. But you do get to choose how you respond to the storm. What is maybe most amazing in this passage is that when Jesus, he speaks to the wind and the waves and he commands them to stop and they do. Uh, there are certain religious movements that will tell us that if you have enough faith, the way that you go will be smooth. That if, we, if you have enough faith, you're always going to have enough money. You're going to be healthy. You're going to be successful. You're going to have enough toilet paper. But... <laughs> The truth is, we don't get to choose what kind of sea that we're going to get to have. We don't get to choose the weather. What we do choose is what we can focus on when, we are, when the waves and the wind arise. What we have in the midst of our storm is Christ himself. And he wants his presence to be enough for us. With Christ is enough. I think as Christians, we know in theory that we're going to, that life isn't going to always be easy, that um, we're going to pass through times of trial or suffering, uh, and we know in theory that we're supposed to do that with God, but when those things happen, uh, I think it still always catches us by surprise. So maybe the main storm of coronavirus is going to be over in a couple of weeks. Maybe the storm is going to rage for a bit longer. Either way, we are responsible for how we respond. And we have to recognize that our earthly nature wants us to strike out, even though the, the disciples would do it to Jesus. We want to scratch and claw for whatever we can. But we are going to be answerable to God for how we respond. So brothers and sisters, I do want you to prepare. Uh, there are lots of things that help us for how we should do that. Maybe, maybe even you should have a little extra cash on hand if that's something that you can do. But we also need to prepare our hearts we need to prepare our hearts for generosity. We need to prepare ourselves for service. We need to prepare our lives to exhibit Christian love and compassion, even while the storm rages. So I think that this is going to be a special moment for us all, where, where things can suddenly become clear in a way that chugging along in normal life wouldn't allow us to see. That it is precisely in the storm where we get the opportunity to truly trust in God. So what does trusting in God look like? Uh, the Bible often, the New Testament often uses this formula of faith, hope, and love as a, as a shorthand for what a trusting Christian life looks like. So let's think about what it means for us to have faith, hope, and love, ways to exhibit our trust in God in the midst of our circumstances right now. Uh, let's think about faith first. So we know, for example, that being a Christian 
is more than just going to Sunday services. And just because we aren't able to be physically together today doesn't mean that we have stopped being Christians, right? But for a lot of us, I think Sunday morning has become the main spiritual uh, feeding that we get during the week, the main input that we get. And I think this is an opportunity for a reboot. Uh, The proper center of gravity of our spiritual life is actually in our home, in our heart. Uh, We could consider maybe using this time, if you do have kids, to to read through um, stories in the Jesus Storybook Bible, to to move the center of gravity of our spiritual conversations to our dinner table. Uh, Why don't you consider reading a verse uh, at at dinner and discussing it? Uh, If you... um, During the season of Lent, maybe you can read through a portion of scripture that you haven't read through before. Um, The Bible app, uh, there are reading plans. You can use something like that. That would be a great way to push forward in our faith and to make this a a time of of growth and winning for us. What about hope? Our hope is not in our circumstances or even in our preparedness, but in Christ Jesus. Uh, I read a great quote by a pastor in Milan. So the north of Italy has been the center of a lot of coronavirus, and they've had a hard time, who wrote this this last week. He said, As believers, we seek to be prudent and to use common sense, but there is never an appropriate time to panic or act as if God is not in control. He has given us, quote, a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control, end quote, 2 Timothy 1.7. Throughout the centuries, the Lord has brought his church through many periods of plagues, diseases, wars, and natural disasters, all of which are common to our fallen world. Our hope and our confidence are not in our circumstances, but in Jesus Christ, who was raised from the dead, reigns in heaven, and will return in glory. What a comfort to know that we belong to him in body and in soul, in life and in death. Isn't that great? Reverend Michael Brown, who's in Milan. So for us, our hope is in uh, is not just in our circumstances, but we get to place our hope in Christ Jesus. Finally, love. Uh, with not having uh, normal Sunday services, I think it begs the question of, for us is, what is our church community about? Coronavirus has caused us to pause our church services, but I hope, and it should not be the case, that ever the service of the church should stop. We've paused our church services, but the service of the church has not stopped. Each member of our church can focus our efforts to to offer to others, for example, a a new deeper trust in God, to love their neighbor as their self, giving our neighbor some real hope to hold on to in a difficult time. I've been hearing from other people around me that... um, Believer, people who don't believe in God also who are looking for some kind of uh, help. And so we can offer them, say, listen, God has been a refuge for me in this time. Um, can I pray for you? And we can offer people um, even gifts as well of our love of giving real concrete things. And we can give them concrete physical and emotional care. Um, in a church of our size, I'm sure that there are people who are running low on something right now. And there are other people who have enough. And we can share. Uh, on Thursday, I walked across the street to talk to the, an older woman who I know lives by herself. And I just wanted to make sure she had my phone number um, and knew that I, I told her, hey, I'm, 
I'm happy, if you're going to stay in your house, I'm happy to get you something while I'm out. So let me know. And I don't want you ever to feel like you need something and you have, that you don't have somebody you can call. So we can choose to act in love to our neighbor. So the waves may be coming up over the sides, but if we are panicking, Christ may very well turn to us and say, where is your faith? What's interesting to me about this passage, then, on top of it, is that it doesn't end with the disciples feeling satisfied. The disciples aren't actually even settled. In fact, it repeats a phrase from earlier, right before, Jesus says, why are you afraid? And it says that they were now terrified, but they were afraid of something new. And this new thing was somehow more unsettling than what they had seen before. Their image of this Jesus who is aloof, asleep on the cushion, suddenly gets taken away because they look and they see this one who can speak to the wind and the waves and they obey. If we, brothers and sisters, are looking at our situation and um, trembling or if we're looking at the craziness of other people and that scares us, then we're looking at the wrong things. These disciples, they were looking at Jesus and they were terrified. This is the one who spoke peace and there was peace in these waves and these disciples said, who is this? Who is this? And sometime later, these disciples would see something even more terrifying when this same man was swept up in the fever of the crowds and the crowds who decided to take this innocent one and have him killed on a cross. And it was after the resurrection of Jesus Christ when these scared disciples' lives were transformed. And it transformed their experience of life then and even their memory of what had happened before. They looked back at Christ's death and they said, this death on the cross wasn't a powerless defeat. No, Christ on the cross is the very same one who stood in the boat and cried peace to the waves. And this one now is the one who is absorbing the blow of our sin, the storm of sin. And they could look back in their fear in the moment when they had seen him die and look back on their fear when they saw him in the boat and realize that they were with the one who had created the wind and the waves the one who would not stay off, far off, but would, who would draw near to us and give us the best news of all, that he wasn't going to wait for us, the fearful people and backstabbing people, <laughs> who would come to him, but that he would draw near to us, come and save us. Maybe this morning is a time when you want to renew your trust in Jesus. Choose today to begin to walk in faith, hope, and love through the storms of your life that you're going through and the storms that we will go through in the future. And if you do that, you may be able to one day look back on this time and realize that, that you, you were in the storm, but Christ was in the boat. And that we can trust our God in a sea of fear. And you know what? Even if we are afraid, even if things don't, we don't even react the way we were supposed to, it's okay. Look at the disciples were willing to even write down later on how they reacted. They said, I think they laughed at themselves at how foolish they were, and we can do the same because God's forgiveness is big enough. God's forgiveness is well big enough. Let's, let's begin by praying.
We begin right now with the end of this sermon, God, because the beginning is for us to move out in faith, to actually face the things that we're going through, whether that trial is like many people, you have your kids at home right now, or whether your trial is um, figuring out how you're going to care for loved ones. Um, We are facing these things. In this time when it is hard for us to gather together, we think in particular, God, about people for whom it's always hard to gather Uh, people in the persecuted church. So we pray this morning for people who are facing not only persecution, but a lot of coronavirus. So we pray for our brothers and sisters who are in Iran. We pray, God, that you will strengthen the believers there and help them to love their neighbors. May this be a time when you preserve them, but also help them to uh, share the good news with people around them. Uh, We pray for our church that we will be inventive about ways that we love one another and we care for each other. Uh, May this be a time when we look back later and say, God, you were with us, and this was a wonderful, amazing blessing where we grew in faith, hope, and love. May it be so. Amen. How deep the Father's love for us beyond all measure that he should give his only son to make a wretch his treasure how great the pain of searing loss the father turns his face away as wounds which mother chosen Anything.